Welcome to episode number 282 of Sleep Whispers. Tonight, you'll hear a Whisperpedia episode about the ancient Greek Olympics, how the athletes trained, and the origin of the marathon. I'm Harris, and I hope this podcast helps to tranquilize those restless squirrels in your brain so you can relax and fall asleep. If you'd like to access over 400 more sleep-inducing podcast episodes, then use the links in the episode notes or visit sleepwhispers.com. Alright, why did I choose the ancient Greek Olympics for tonight's Whisperpedia? It was inspired by my listener, Vic. She requested a topic about world history. It was a while ago. So, Vic, if you're listening, I didn't forget. It just took me a long time. I checked out a bunch of Wikipedia pages when I came across the Ancient Greek Olympics page. I just thought it was really interesting. It was fun to read about how the Olympics have evolved since the very first Olympic game. There are a lot of similarities and differences between what the ancient Greeks did and our modern Olympics today. I'm also going to tell you about how the ancient athletes trained. This was also super curious because once again, there are a lot of similarities and differences to how athletes train today. Here are some questions that I'll address tonight. How many total ancient Olympic Games were there? When was the very first Olympic game? What events were in that very first Olympic game? What events in the ancient Olympic Games do we still do today? And there's actually a bunch. I'll highlight how some of those that we still do today, that we do them differently. Here's an example. In some events, judges would hold sticks and then hit you if you did the event wrong. (laughs) I shouldn't find that funny. (laughs) Okay, that's not funny. They should do that with, like, pool noodles or something. Alright, what events in the ancient Olympics do we not do today? Here's a teaser to the 
sponsor. Some of those events involved armor, trumpets, mules, and chariots. What is the origin of today's marathon? And you may have heard about this. It is related to a historic battle. Did ancient athletes follow any special training programs, or special diet, and I'll finish by telling you about the type of music that ancient athletes listened to while they were training. Your teaser is that it wasn't exactly drum and bass, it was more like flute and toot. <laughs> just amusing myself. Okay, let's begin tonight's Whisperpedia. The following are select sections and details from the Wikipedia articles titled Ancient Olympic Games, Running in Ancient Greece, and other linked articles. I'll begin with an overview. The ancient Olympic Games were held from 776 BC or BCE until 393 AD or CE. This is a span of almost 1800 years, but because they were held every four years, just like today, this resulted in about 293 total ancient Olympic Games. These games involved participants and spectators from all over Greece and beyond. Athletes and athleticism of many types were highly valued in ancient Greece. This is clearly represented in the variety of events that evolved over time in the ancient Olympic Games, but the athletic ability that was honored the most was running. In fact, the first ancient Olympic game only had one athletic type of event, and sure enough, it was running. Prior to that first Olympic game, there were many lengths and types of foot races in ancient Greece. The standard distance that these races were measured in was called the stade, which was about 200 yards or 180 meters. The word stade also came to refer to the track on which the race was held, and the word stadion referred to the building. And sure enough, this is the origin of the modern English word stadium, 
the most prestigious foot race of ancient Greece was named after the Stadion building and was called the Stadion Race. The Stadion Race was the distance of one state, which again was about 200 yards or 180 meters, and it was a sprint run in a straight line. The mythical founder of the Olympic Games could supposedly run the stadium race in one breath. The first ancient Olympic Games was held in 776 BCE, and the stadium race was the only recorded event. Other types of events were added in future years, but the stadium race was always the most prestigious in most future Olympic Games. The race began with a trumpet blow, with officials at the start to make sure there weren't any false starts. There were also officials at the end to decide on a winner, and of course, to make sure no one had cheated. If the officials decided that there was a tie, the race would be rerun. Runners started the race from a standing position, probably with their arms stretched out in front of them, instead of starting in a crouched position like modern runners do. Also in contrast to modern runners, ancient Greek athletes ran naked on a packed earth track. By the 5th century, the track was marked by a stone starting line. Advancements in this stone starting block led to it having a set of double grooves in which the runner placed his toes. The design of these grooves were intended to give the runner leverage for his start. For the first 13 ancient Olympic Games, the stadium foot race was the only recorded race. A new event wasn't added until the 14th ancient Olympic Games, and that was simply a two-state race, <laughs> which just means that this new event was basically just twice the distance of the usual stadium race. Runners would run one state in a straight line for about 200 yards, then turn 180 degrees around a post and run back the same distance. Another new event was added to the 15th Ancient Games, and it was a longer stadium race. This one was either 20 states or 24 states. History is a little unclear, 
but this new race was somewhere around 2.5 miles long, or 4 kilometers long. The runners didn't run back and forth on a single track like they did for the two-state race. Instead, they left the stadium, ran by important shrines and statues on the Olympic grounds, and then finished back inside the stadium. Another new event was added to the 18th Olympic Games, and this time they started getting a little more creative. This new event was the pentathlon. The pentathlon was five different events in one. This multi-event reflected the ancient Greek belief that one's body should be strong as all and not just in one area. The five events included a standard one-state foot race, a long jump, discus, javelin, and wrestling. The long jump is perhaps the most unusual compared to the modern version. A long jumper would run a short distance with stone weights in his hands called halters, and then he would use these stone weights to propel himself further when he was jumping. These stone weights looked a little bit like dumbbells, and they were also used during training to do curls, lunges, and deadlifts. For the discus, the athlete stood on a pedestal and threw a solid bronze disc that weighed about nine pounds, or four kilograms. Similar to today, the goal was to get the longest distance. The javelin was also thrown for best distance, but there was a separate throw for best accuracy. Today, javelin athletes only compete for best distance. Wrestling was the fifth and last event of the pentathlon. It was held in a sand pit that was outside the Temple of Zeus. To win, one had to get any part of his opponent's back to touch the ground. Another new event was added to the 23rd Ancient Olympic Games. In this new event, was boxing. Participants trained with punching bags that were filled with sand, flour, or grain. The fighters wore long leather strips over their hands, wrists, and sometimes their breast to protect themselves from injury. At later games, Fighters also wore a band of fleece 
on their forearm to wipe away the sweat. There wasn't any protection for the face or the head. There were also no rounds, no time limits, or weight classes. It is believed that body blows, finger gouging, holding, and wrestling were not permitted while boxing. Judges enforced the rules by hitting the offender with a stick or a whip. Victory was decided when one fighter gave up or was incapacitated. If the fight went too long, both fighters could agree to exchange blows undefended until someone quit. A new event was added to the 65th Ancient Olympic Games. It was called Race of the Hoplites. The Hoplites were the citizen soldiers of ancient Greece, and this race honored them. Athletes ran with a helmet, leg armor, and a large shield, adding a total weight of about 12 pounds, or 6 kilograms, to each runner. The distance of the race originated at two states, or about 400 meters. Some of the later hoplite races were run for a distance of four states, or 15 states. Either way, it's a long way to run with armor on. This was the last foot race to be added to the Olympics, and usually the last foot race to be held at each of the ancient Olympic Games. Additional new events were added to other ancient Olympic Games. These include chariot races, horse races, mule cart races, and trumpeter competitions. A torch relay race was added one year to entertain the crowds. This event was run the night before the ancient Olympic Games began. And of course, this tradition continues today with the running of the modern Olympic torch. The next section is about the origin of the marathon. One foot race that was never in the ancient Olympic Games is the marathon. The name marathon comes from the town of Marathon in Greece. This town was the site of the Battle of Marathon that occurred in 490 BCE between the Greeks and the Persians. The Greeks were winning, and it seemed like a probable victory. But Philippides, a Greek messenger in this battle, 
witnessed a Persian vessel changing its course and heading towards Athens. He interpreted this as an attempt by the defeated Persians to rush into the Greek capital and claim a false victory. Philippides knew he had to reach Athens first and inform them that the Greeks were the true victors. According to legend, he ran from the town of Marathon to Athens without stopping, a distance of about 25 miles or 40 kilometers. To lighten his load while he was running, it is believed that he discarded all of his weapons and his clothes. When he reached Athens, he burst into the assembly and declared, We have won. He then collapsed and died. In 1896, at the first modern Olympics, the first modern-day marathon was run. To honor the history of Greek running, Greece chose a course that would mimic the route run by Philippides. The route started in the town of Marathon and ended in Athens, covering about 25 miles or 40 kilometers. His long run continues to be honored by today's marathons, which are 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers long. The next section is about the training of ancient Greek athletes. The earliest Olympic Games involved well-trained warriors competing in a variety of events. The ancient Greeks developed difficult training programs with specialized trainers in preparation for the Games. The first Olympians believed that in order to have a harmonious body, the entire body must be trained. These beliefs by Olympians were either inspired or encouraged by popular Greek philosophers. For example, Plato argued that the whole body should be trained to increase strength and speed for running and wrestling. Aristotle seemed to agree with this holistic training concept, stating later that the training of the whole body infuses it with courage. Each city-state in ancient Greece had its own training program for soldiers. Athletics in ancient Greece became a very scientific and philosophical field of study and practice. By the 4th century BCE, sports in ancient Greece became so competitive and advanced that specialized coaches developed for each particular sport. 
these coaches were known as gymnasts. Along with specialized coaches, a new system of training was developed. It was called the Tetris. The Tetris was a four-day cycle of varying training, and it had the following structure. Day one was a day of preparation. It consisted of doning and short, high-intensity workouts. Day two was a day of intensity. It involved the athlete going through long, strenuous exercises. Day three was a day of resting. On this day, athletes would do short, mild workouts and primarily rest. Day four was a day of medium intensity. Athletes mainly practiced wrestling on this day, focusing more on tactics than strength. This tetra structure was the basic training program practiced throughout ancient Greece. The trainers would also consider many factors to optimize training, such as the place, the time, upcoming events, and the athlete's physical and mental condition. The training also differed depending on whether it was done indoors or outdoors. Hippocrates, the ancient Greek physician, believed that athletes who walked after exercising would have a stronger and more rested body. Because of his beliefs, ancient Greek athletes ended each workout with a low-intensity cool-down. Aristotle observed that athletes who have a rest day should not rest completely, but do a mild, low-intensity workout instead. Many of these practices used by the early ancient Greeks are still in use today. After a workout, athletes used a special bottle of oil and a curved stick. They would rub the oil on their skin and then scrape it off using the curved stick to clean themselves. After exercising, they also often had a bath and a massage. Massages will consist of gentle movements and stretching of the arms and legs. Trainers and philosophers had many ideas about specific ways of training. One practice that developed had athletes exercise with a three-pound or 1.4 kilogram weight in each hand. It was believed that this practice would help improve arm strength and be beneficial for running, throwing the javelin, swimming, and martial arts. Lucian, an ancient Greek philosopher, postulated another principle. He believed 
athletes should always train in exuberated conditions. His idea was that training should take place outdoors, in the sun, every day of the year. He thought that the body should be beautiful, tanned, and lean to perform its best. When training in the gymnasium, his idea was that one should not run or exercise on the stone floor, but on sand instead because it was more difficult. An exercise that he invented involved a long jump where athletes would run and jump high into the air while wearing weighted suspenders. Another exercise he developed was for athletes to jump over hurdles with lead weights in their hands. Not all philosophers thought that intense training was good. Aristotle believed that fitness should be a part of children's education, but that overtraining was bad. In ancient Greece, there were four parts to education, reading, writing, gymnastic exercises, and music. Aristotle thought that an appropriate amount of exercise was a key part of education. However, he recognized how much some athletes were overtrained. Aristotle referred to the excessive training that many competitive athletes did as evil. This last section is about the role of age, diet, and music in ancient Greek training. Athletes in different age categories had a separate set of coaches and training methods. The training programs for each age level varied, growing increasingly strenuous as athletes progressed from boys to men. Along with developing training programs and stretching exercises, the ancient Greeks also introduced special diets to athletes, fruits, vegetables, and grains grew very well in Greece and were the primary part of everyone's diet up until the 5th century BCE. Most people in ancient Greece only ate meat during religious festivals. Only the rich could have afforded it on a regular basis, but meat was still just a minor part of their diet. Unlike a common citizen, a successful athlete may have had a good income and could afford meat. At that time, trainers recognized that meat was key to building muscle, so meat was a part of a top athlete's diet. Ancient Greeks also believed that training and music should be experienced together because they both placed the spirit 
music was used both in training and in competition. Each gymnasium had at least one player of a special Greek wind instrument that was like a double flute. It was a double-reeded wind instrument, and its sound is described as penetrating, insisting, and exciting. It sounded somewhat similar to bagpipes, with a chanter and a modulated drone. As you probably noticed while you were listening to many of these training principles, these ones that were established by the ancient Greeks are still used today. The Olympic Games have also continued to this day with participation from almost every country in the summer or winter Olympics. Our modern Olympics have about 400 different events, but it all started with a single short foot race in ancient Greece. This is the end of tonight's Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed. If you'd like to listen to many more Whisperpedia episodes right now, then peek in the episode notes or visit sleepwhispers.com. Or perhaps you are now ready to fall deeply asleep. If so, good night. Sleep well.